you know what, if they want to kill me, they can go ahead and kill me. But I know that I will die true to myself. Welcome back to Other People's Lives. I'm Joe Santagato. I'm Greg Dybeck. For anyone out there that would like to be a part of the show, if you feel like you have a story or something that would make for a good episode, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Go to OPLshow.com or send us an email directly at OPLpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and if you want to support the show and get a bunch of bonus content like weekly behind-the-scenes episodes where you get to find out early what topic we'll be discussing on the upcoming episode, uh, as well as access to our Discord chat to speak with other listeners, to chat with us, and to get a bunch of other bonus episodes that will never appear on this main channel, you can head over to patreon.com slash OPL show, become a patron, support the show, and uh, get a bunch of bonus episodes. So thank you to all the patrons. And today we're going to be speaking to a guest uh, who's going to talk about her childhood in Bosnia in the 90s during the Bosnian War and how her family fought to survive during a horrific period of violence, acts of ethnic cleansing that targeted the Muslim population of the country as well as other groups. Um, It's been determined by the U.S., by international courts, that uh, the policies and kind of aggressive acts of ethnic cleansing do meet the terms of genocide. Uh, And political military leaders have been charged with war crimes, crimes against humanity from that time. So we've got our guests on the line to share her story of growing up, surviving in these unthinkable circumstances during this time. And first and foremost, we just want to thank you for being on the show today to shed light on this, you know, ugly piece of history and, and share your personal journey of survival. So thank you. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. So before we get into your family story and and your memories of childhood, is there any kind of other basic context that you could provide to just quickly, I guess, explain kind of the, the origin of this conflict and paint a picture of the setting that you were growing up in during this time? Yeah, absolutely. So during this time, I was around six to seven years old. And um, from my memory, it was a very peaceful and loving place. Um, As far as I remember, I never really noticed any kind of segregation or any kind of conflicts going on um, or any kind of racism going on at that time either. the media and as well as Google and all of those places um, definitely have different uh, reasons as to why this war started. Uh, from my understanding now as an adult, it was mainly because Yugoslavia was combined of multiple countries and because we all had different um, cultures and we had different religions when Yugoslavia split up, it was kind of like whoever wins gets the most land and that's kind of where it stemmed from okay and your you and your family were muslim and that there was a large muslim population at that time yeah so the territory of bosnia and herzegovina was um and still is a largely muslim populated place got it okay so you kind of painted the picture, I guess, originally of not really seeing segregation. Um, you're you're young at this time. And, and how old are you around this time, I guess, in the kind of mid-90s? Yeah, in 1993, I was about seven years old. Okay. So I guess when does that kind of 
rosy picture start to change? You know, when do you and, and your family kind of realize, okay, there's serious tension and, and conflict going on? And, and how did you, how did that kind of make itself known to you? Yeah, so my parents, um, they never really, well, growing up with my siblings and I, they never, um, they never really taught us about um, hate and they never really taught us about other things that are happening in the world like racism and segregation and all of that so being very young it was a very foreign concept um growing up muslim you know we still celebrated christmas and easter and all of my friends we would get together for each other's holidays so i never really felt um some type of way or I never felt like I was different than anybody else you know I just thought this is how everybody lives in the world um there was a time um in 93 that it was around two maybe three o'clock in the morning um I remember this night very well it was extremely quiet and there weren't any stars in the sky and all I felt was an immense amount of heat and my father he burst into the room Um, my sister and I we are the only two and he grabbed both of us by our hands and just bolted for the door and my sister and I were both very quiet children so we weren't like screaming or anything we didn't know what was going on and we head outside and our entire, I guess you could say village or city, um, everyone was outside and my neighbor's house caught on fire. And because of where we lived, there were a lot of trees, there were a lot of greenery, and that is what helped the fire spread to our house. Um, Our houses were very close, so my bedroom lit up in the matter of minutes. Um, and when that happened, I was, I was very confused. I guess I didn't really understand, you know, where do fires come from out of nowhere? And my parents, they never really talked about it. During that time, um, we went to Croatia and that's kind of when everything was brought out to, you know, we're never going to go back. So you said you were around seven years old at this time yeah so what was the original reason why this house caught on fire um we didn't know then we know now it was because serbians who are protestant or roman catholic um the reason like i said behind this war was a lot of uh, religious reasons that was their initiative to basically claim our territory so they would set houses on fire they would set our mosques on fire our schools all libraries to tear everything down because later on when they come back they could just clean it up and build their own basically their own like houses and their own cities so you never really had the conversation with your parents where they sat you down and kind of explained all this so how did you come to find out this information Um, when I was around, when you're around a lot of family and a lot of adults, they talk about those kinds of things. I feel like they don't understand that when you're young, 
you're going to listen to that and that's going to be in your memory. And when you get older and you replay those memories, you then start to realize what was going on. Um, my family, they would talk about where are we going to move now? Is this going to be the same thing like the Holocaust? Are we going to go to concentration camps? And I was like, what's a concentration camp? I thought that was like a summer camp. And I was like, I want to go to a concentration camp, like a seven-year-old. And I didn't really realize what that was until, you know, a couple years passed. I got older and I was exposed to a lot, like more than... And I feel like people will realize they would be able to handle. And that's when I was like, oh, this is against me personally now. Hmm. Do you mind kind of walking us through some of those instances? I guess the real eye-opening events that even for someone at such a young age kind of made you realize like I'm like I'm being targeted uh, and people want me dead. Yeah, so... There was one night, um, we were in Croatia, there was, I forgot what the town is called, um, that's where I had a few relatives, it was kind of on the uh, Bosnian-Croatian border all the way down to the south, um, and I remember we were staying with family members because war haven't, hasn't moved to that part yet, so we were still trying to figure out where we're going to go, and I remember talking to my dad and I was like, you know... I, I want to go back like I miss my friends and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like that's what triggered my dad. Um, he pretty much, he didn't have a full conversation. He just kind of said to me, like, you do realize now that you're never going to be able to go back. And I was like, why can't I go back? Like, you know, I have school, you know, coming up. This was all happening during the summertime. So I was like, school is going to be coming up and all that kind of stuff. And he was like, you're not going to understand this until you get older. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, that's fine. And later on that evening, we were having dinner. Everyone was sitting at the dinner table. There was about, about 15 of us, you know, with all kids, all my cousins, aunts and uncles. And they were pretty much just saying, is this going to be a jihad? And for people who don't know what a jihad is, it's basically when you declare war on somebody who is against Islam. So I feel like when I heard that word, because I've heard it before, I just came to the realization like, is this an actual war that's going on? And I was still really young to understand that concept. Um, but then the more people were talking about it, saying, hey, I witnessed this. This is what happened to my neighbors. Hey, this is going on in the other city. That's when it clicked to me. And I was like, oh, I can potentially die. What What were some of the things that you were hearing, like specifically, just so, you know, people can get an idea of like, you know, some of the horrible things that you're hearing, especially as someone who's seven years old? So they would talk a lot about the tactics that Serbians and Croats would use um, to kill us. And it wasn't even like bomb. I mean, of course, there was like bombings and shootings, but it was more of a game and an entertainment to them. And what I'm going to say is going to is going to be extremely graphic. Um, I remember 
one of my aunts saying they took, and she saw this with her own eyes. They took her baby. um, They took her neighbor's baby. The baby was maybe like two, three months old, newborn baby. And they made a fire. They threw the baby in the fire and they forced the mother to eat the baby. She witnessed that with her own eyes. Another thing would be because we're Muslim, it's very widely known that we don't eat pork. So they would take machetes and put pig blood on them before they decapitate Muslims. And they would, it was very sick and it was very creative. The things that they would do, like it was, it was really hard to understand as a kid that someone had like the stomach to do that. Like, how could you not like throw up just thinking about that? But things like that were happening very often. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it, it, that is a crazy thought to have too. I mean, you know, you think of so many stories of like people who worked in concentration camps or, or not like what, how far people can be pushed for, you know, a cause to do, commit evil acts that they, you know, maybe at one point in their lives never thought they would even be capable of, but that's, um, that's, it's extremely hard to hear that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's always so sad to hear like your perspective kind of in retrospect of, you know, you as a child. And it's like, it's just like that moment, you know, innocence is lost. And like a lot of us aren't able to pinpoint that exact moment. And for a lot of us, it's, should come a lot later in life than seven years old but you know that kind of like ignorance is bliss you know for a child and then to be forced into a situation where you know you lose that and and now you're a seven-year-old thinking about like your own mortality and the fact that you might die and that people are people want you dead uh is it's just hard to imagine you know what what that could do to someone what that does to someone in the moment um but but wow and and you know thank you for painting that picture and you know even even being able to kind of like look back and talk about this today seriously yeah i'm trying to like compose myself talking about it because it's it's a lot to take in yeah so what um you know at this time you know you're i'm always so interested in you know the the resiliency of of family and like people in the this just a pure state of survival i mean do you kind of have memories of how your family was kind of able to navigate this conflict and and able to you know keep you safe protect you and you know obviously we're, we're here talking to you today which is amazing so you know do you kind of remember some of the um you know or i guess any memories of of how your family you know was sort of able to survive this maybe tactics you know that that they used and and strategy to you know get through this yeah absolutely so a lot of homes at that time um after war oh my gosh i'm gonna miss it at world war ii excuse me um a lot of homes had uh bomb shelters so we in in my uh, family's home we had bomb shelters in every single property that we had because during that time whoever lived there at the time created those so we definitely used those bomb shelters and there are times where you would hear 
grenades go off, bombs go off, and you're like, oh, I don't think this bomb shelter is going to keep us safe, but luckily it did. Um, we also had to lie about who we were. And I think that's um, that was kind of the hardest part for me because I this is going to sound really crazy coming from someone who's like seven years old at the time, but I was thinking like, you know what? I would rather die being myself than trying to survive as someone else. Mm. And I, I was just like, you know what? If they want to kill me, they can go ahead and kill me. But I know that I will die true to myself. And I was thinking that at seven years old, but I was too scared to say that to my dad because I knew in his mind, um, this is my family. I have to protect my family. So my mother, she's Italian. Her family uh, came from Venice. And so we would just be like, we're Italians. Like, you know, we can speak Italian too. Um, so we kind of had to lie about our identity and, you know, what we were doing. Um, my mom, she was um, she was a physician uh, back home. And so she was there, you know, as aid. My father, um, his brother, uh, who was my uncle, he was a politician. So my dad was the one who had to be very hidden in a way, because if they knew who he was, or if they knew his last name, they would have taken him out first. So my dad would say, oh, I'm just a handyman, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, And he kind of used my mother's last name to kind of get by. Um, Because she would show her ID. She obviously has her last name. Um, But... You know, my dad, if he showed his ID, then that would be a completely different story. So he would say, oh, I lost it during this war. A lot of things were lost. So he was really good at manipulating and um, making himself be very believable for the sake of survival. Was it common to, you know, I mean, you're saying like showing IDs. Was it common to be like stopped on the street that people were asking, like, who are you? Show me ID, like prove to me basically that you're not Muslim. Yeah. Absolutely. So the way that um, in the Balkans, you can tell where someone is from based off of their last name. Um, So if, let's say, someone in the military, just for the sake of doing it, just because they can, if they look at you and they say, you look like a Muslim person, which, you know, that doesn't really make any sense, but you look like a Muslim person, let me see your ID they could tell by your last name where you came from. Hmm. And so they would use that as kind of a reason to commit murder. Um, So that was very common. I mean, people could just walk up to you and demand to see your papers and your passport and um, all types of ID and proof of address and all this kind of stuff just to make sure, are you an enemy or are you an ally? Were there other groups getting targeted too? Like from some of the research I did before, it just seemed like, you know, there there were even just like sieges on cities where it didn't, it almost didn't even matter, you know, who was there and and children, women, civilians just just getting killed. Like what? It 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 almost just from some research just seems so like complex and hard to pinpoint, you know, what 
the issues were the groups being targeted and i don't know is there like any any kind of clarity on that just again trying to like kind of paint the picture of that that region at this time so muslims were the main target um for for the war um but it was very and this is going to sound really weird to say but it was very unorganized there were when it got really bad people were killing just for the sake of killing and it didn't really matter even if you say no i'm a catholic you know this and this and that oh well you have a muslim friend so you're affiliated with them and people were just it it just became really unorganized nobody knew who was doing what who you can trust who you couldn't trust um because at that time there were people who were still friends you know my my parents they had friends who were serbian and friends who were croatian who wouldn't dare do anything like that to them mm. and so it was very when it got really bad it was just a mess and everybody was doing whatever they wanted to do and at some points it got really personal people would use the war as a way to get back at their personal enemies like if they know somebody who did them wrong or if they had a bad experience with somebody they would go out and kill them just because now they could how long were you sort of living uh in this sort of state where you had to lie and you were kind of basically hiding in plain sight you know using your your mother's last name how long were you kind of living this way? Until I came to the U.S. in 2001. Oh, wow. How, how did you, how did your family or you, or I guess how did that work to, you know, escape that region and, and get over here? Um, my father doesn't talk about it. I've asked him how we were able to leave, um, but he, he doesn't tell me the reason why. Um, he he did tell me that he had to go through you know several interviews um with the embassy with you know all whoever he had to meet with um to get my family approved but he doesn't talk about that at all he only tells me you know just you don't have to know that just be happy that you're here just be happy that you're here don't even worry about that it doesn't even matter now that's so interesting. I, I feel like I've, you know, uh, that, I feel like that's almost common with like some immigrant parents who have, you know, come from war torn places or have been who have been through so much. And it's just like, that is the past. And this is truly a new beginning. And, you know, I, I've heard like friends with similar stories where it's just like, yeah, yeah, I don't I, I don't know. My, my parents won't even tell me about their childhood. They won't even tell me how we got here uh, because that is just in the past. And this is a fresh start. Yeah, I feel very strongly, honestly, that the mafia had something to do with it because I know my dad and I know I know what kind of man he was when he was in his 20s and when he was in his 30s. And I know that he got help getting here. Oh, interesting theory. What what like what mafia like what ethnicity? Um, I would say Croatians. Interesting. Well, all right. I guess, I guess if, if that's possible, I guess I, I get why he doesn't talk about it. Maybe we shouldn't talk about it any further. <laughs> so you finally make it to America in 2001. And obviously 
this is the same year of 9-11. And can you kind of talk about that, you know, what that was like, kind of leaving this country where you're being persecuted for being Muslim and then coming to the U.S. where obviously uh, 9-11 kind of changed the way a lot of people in the country, you know, viewed and, and targeted Muslims as well? Yeah, of course. So I was about 14 or 15 years old at the time when we came. Um, I came in July and I had to sit down with my parents and they pretty much, um, they pretty much had a talk with me about this is what's going on. We're going to be living in the U.S., and, you know, this is going to be a new life for us. During that time, I was relieved, but the fear was still in me. Like, you never feel safe, you know. And during that time, I begged my parents to take me to speech therapy. And the reason why I wanted them to take me to speech therapy is because I didn't want anybody to know that I was from a different country. And so that's why I speak English the way that I do now is because before I had like a slight Russian, Eastern European accent. Now I don't because I didn't want, I felt like if I got rid of my accent, then I can't be targeted. And I begged them for so long to, you know, take me. I, yeah, I already knew English at the time, um, but I, I just, I hated the way that I sounded. And so when we moved to the U.S., to, uh, my parents, they took me to a speech therapist. I got rid of my accent. Um, I had to practice a lot how to, you know, like move my mouth and my muscles and all that kind of stuff. And so um, when all of that was done, I was like, finally, I have a new life. I could put all of this behind me. Nobody has to know. I can pretty much feel like I'm living a double life. And I was happy about that. And then my parents and I, along with my sister, we were sitting at a coffee shop and all you hear is everyone's phones alarms like start ringing. And this was like before Amber Alerts on the iPhone and all that kind of stuff. So pagers were, you know, kind of like clicking. And um, there was a bar that was right next to this coffee shop. And you just see, you know, I think a basketball game was going on or a football game and it just goes to the news and then you just see the Twin Towers go down. And the first thing that went through my mind is, oh shit, like here we go again. And we went back home and I asked my dad, I was like, are we gonna, are we gonna go through this? Because during that time, you literally felt like the world was ending. It wasn't just happening in New York, it was happening everywhere people were going crazy wondering is our city going to be next and a lot of things were going on and you just see people jumping off of buildings on live television and i was just kind of thinking to myself like this cannot be happening this doesn't happen in america because america is you know the greatest place on earth like who would want to attack america and after a while, when it came out who it was, um, that's when everybody, pretty much the Muslim community, just went into a panic. 
because mm-hmm. we don't claim Osama like the same way how a Christian person with faith doesn't claim the KKK. Like that's not a very Christian thing to do. All right. Hurting people like that is not a Muslim thing to do. You're not, you're nowhere in humanity. Are you supposed to like do that to somebody or, or to like an entire group of people, you know? And so it was just like, you felt angry and you felt resentment. And at that point in time, I felt, is my religion really this bad? Where I get kicked out of one country, get kicked out of another. Now I come to the U.S. where there's a big mixture of people, especially in New York, where you can ask for any person around this entire globe and you'll find them somewhere in the state of New York or in the East coast. And it just made me feel like an evil person because I was like, am I really believing in something that is seriously this bad? And so I also it just was, can't, I can't even imagine like having to live the way you were living where it was like, you're living amongst this violence, uh, you know, at a young age and then you're, kind of having to hide your identity and then the year that you feel like okay we're out we're starting a new life and then this happens like like you said i mean we grew up in new york so like 9-11 is was very like everybody around knows somebody who knows somebody that was involved or who had passed away or something so it very much hit home because we're from new york but i also just you know i knew that it affected the entire country and everyone was like super scared because nothing like this had ever happened before um so I can only imagine for you who like lived basically their childhood formidable years in this kind of violence to feel like I'm finally out and then this happens again. Um, you know, what that does to a person and like how that impacts them in the long term. Like, would you say that this has any sort of long term effects on you? Um, it does in a way I feel like. For the rest of my life, I'm never going to be able to 100% trust anybody. Mm. Um, the scariest part was I was with my mom when she went over to uh, to her boss. Her boss is Jewish. And he was just sitting at his desk. And my mom was like, if you want to fire me, go ahead and fire me. And he just kind of looked at her like, what are you talking about? And this was a couple, I think like two weeks after 9-11. And I'm just looking at my mom like, what are you doing? And she was like, you know that I'm Muslim. If you want to fire me, go ahead and fire me. Because everybody else in the country is like doing, you know, really bad things to our people. So just go ahead and do it because I'm already right here. And um, he looked at her and he was like, "You, I don't think you realize how close we actually are. And he just left it at that and he just got up from his office and walked away. And um, I feel still till this day when people get to know me and they say, oh, like, where do you come from? And, you know, your religious views and things like that. I'm very hesitant because I know the only thing that they are going to see is red. Um, And especially someone who's very, like, patriotic and whatnot. That's kind of the reaction that I expect. And when I don't get that reaction, it's kind of like a relief, like, oh, thank God. 
Yeah, I mean, well, like Joe said, it's just, it, it's insane to think your entire childhood to teenage years is you questioning your own identity, essentially, your own religion, uh, you know, relating that to violence, to being persecuted. I mean, it's it's just, that's absolutely nuts to think about. I mean, I think I speak for Joe here, like, you're not too much older than us if I'm doing the math right and you know at, at the time in the 90s like you know we're, we're worrying about like you know what candy we're eating and like if we could play with our friends outside so it's like it's just that that juxtaposition is just um you know it's 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 insane to imagine and uh, you know what I'm curious about is you said that you almost found a comfort in living this kind of like double identity like finally moving to the u.s and at least being able to you know take the speech classes and i guess any chance you could get have people not know you know where you're from you know what your history is so what brings you to this point today for you to you know get on a show like this and uh, you know raise awareness for you know everything that you went through that conflict and you know, kind of speak about, you know, your journey as a Muslim, I guess, where was the kind of, you know, change for you to become so open about that? This part makes me very emotional. Um, sorry, give me a second. No, take your time. my parents the things that I've seen and the things that I've gone through you know I I can't even I hate 4th of July because I hate the sound of fireworks like have, seeing and going through everything that we've gone through and still being mentally sane like I feel like we have a light version of PTSD but we don't show it because we're like we're stronger than that like this is we only get one life to live and this is not how we're gonna live it when I realized what I was doing to myself and I was like I'm seriously going to mask who I really am for the sake of what you know and I see so many people whose families are immigrants um, and they feel ashamed of that because either their family doesn't speak really good English or, you know, they're not as wealthy as they would like to be or whatever the case may be. And it breaks my heart because it's like, you don't, you're never going to fully understand what your family has gone through just to make a good life for you. And for me to tell my parents, hey, thanks for, you know, the war, thanks for the fight and all what you had to do. But you know what? I'm going to be something that I'm not. Like, it's almost as if we fought for nothing. And when I came to that realization, I just, I felt so prideful and so happy who I was to the point where I got a Srebrenica tattoo on my arm um, a couple of years ago. Um, it's our genocide survival flower. Um, I got that tattooed on me. And whenever I feel any kind of hurt or resentment and the fact that it's like directly on my arm, it just, I want my family to be proud. And I want my kids to know 
this is who your mom is. This is where you come from. This is who you are. You're going to speak our language. You're going to know our culture. It just, it makes me feel very powerful. And it took me a very long time to get to that point. And I want everyone who does come from a different country, from a different place to feel empowered and to feel pretty much blessed that, you know, you are a unique person from a different part of the world. And it's just an amazing thing when you come to terms with it. Man, I... You know, I really appreciate, you know, everything that you have done on this show so far. Like, you know, just coming on and talking about these things that are very difficult and like things that I can't even imagine. And I mean, I was I was born in this country and I'm just like, you know, I grew up in Queens. It's a very diverse place. And I'm thankful for that because I was to be I was I grew up around a lot of different people, a lot of. Uh, Muslim people, Asian people, uh, you know, white people, black people, everything. So, you know, I'm very thankful for that. And I think that what you just said is extremely powerful and like beautiful in that, you know, going through something like that and then almost uh, questioning, you know, who you are, what makes you who you are and what your parents like fought for and then coming to the realization and then, you know, accepting yourself uh, you know, not only on just like a cultural level, but just like, you know, who you are as a person, your DNA and like your family and your heritage and everything. Um, I just think that like, that was perfect. And I think that, you know, what you just said could be applied to so many different things across the board. You know, obviously it it fits perfectly for your story, but also I think a lot of people need to hear what you just said and to be, you know, proud of who they are and, you know, and everything that comes with that as well. Um, so yeah, I'm just very appreciative that you would come on the show and share all this. And, you know, I just, I just, you know, I had to just jump in and say that like what you just said was awesome. And I'm definitely going to, this will be one of the episodes that I go back and listen to again, just to hear that again. Oh, thank you guys so much. That really means a lot. Yeah, seriously. I mean, like Joe said, just incredibly powerful and, uh, just a message for so many people that, you know, we don't, you don't have to hide your struggles, you know, especially if your, your struggles are, you know, help make you who you are. So seriously, thank you for that message. Like, like Joe said, I mean, that's, that's going to apply to a lot of people, uh, you know, regardless, it, it doesn't have to fit the exact circumstances you from, but you came from, but that's a powerful universal message. So, you know, thank you. Thank you again for just reliving this and you know telling the story of just like resiliency and just you know the the power of family sticking together uh, your own journey with your own identity I mean man there's just there's so much for people to unpack here and I'm just like so excited that people get to listen to the story seriously so thank you so so much yeah thank you guys for this platform I really appreciate it of course and you know we wish you the best of luck with everything so thank you thank you you too that was an unbelievable uh guess that we had in my opinion you know like I, I that one just really like stood out to me and i think that it um not not just because you know obviously it's a horrible thing that she her and her family had to uh kind of go through but also i think it sort of applies you know today where especially in the last year there've been a lot like the racism and you know people who are just not 
accepting of other cultures like they've been very highlighted and put out there and it's it's a big topic now of like racism and these things and being prejudiced uh and i think that you know what she said at the end there is extremely true and like i said i mean i grew up in queens man i i i had friends from every ethnicity growing up that i that i know and uh you know, I would never want any of them to feel like they needed to hide who they were or to like not be who they are or anything like that. And, you know, it's a shame that these people, especially that, you know, in the past year they've been highlighted are that could make someone possibly feel that way. That can make someone feel like I should hide who I am so that I don't get in trouble or like it's safer just to not tell people that, you know, I'm Muslim or that I'm uh, this or that or whatever the case may be you know, race, religion, or whatever, like, that is, that is just wrong, man, and, and, you know, for her being even seven years old, and saying, like, in her mind, like, thinking, like, I just want to be me, like, if whatever that means, like, whatever that means, like, whatever comes with that will come with that, and, you know, I, I think, like I said, what she said at the end there was just extremely important, in that don't let these fucking people you know, try to change who you are or make you like ashamed of, you know, where you come from or whatever, because fuck those people. You know what yeah, I mean? Man. Yeah. And I'm glad it came full circle for her because, you know, at seven years old saying, I just want to be me, but then to go through a journey for so many years, uh, not being her, literally hiding her identity, then, you know, immediately wanting to take speech classes to fit in, like to, for her, to get on this show and speak about this right now and be so proud of who she is and where she's from and what her family went through. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. Like for that to come full circle, kind of back to her seven year old self saying, I'm just going to be me no matter what is incredible because I mean, how does that not completely beat someone down? You know what she went through and, and not, you know, questioning yourself, your religion, everything through throughout your childhood. And, uh, like I said, you know, we, it, it doesn't get lost on me and I know it doesn't get lost on you that like we at that age, at the same time, uh, we're dealing with a lot fewer problems than someone in her position that a lot of people go through. Um, and it's just, it's, I mean, just what a moment I'm just like, I'm just so glad we captured that. I'm just so glad she came on to tell that story. Yeah. Not only that, but like I said, like living like that when you're young, and then finally getting to the United States, United States, where at the time, and maybe now, I mean, I I don't really know. I mean, I lived here my whole life, so I have like a bias or like I'm just not really aware. But I know that like at the time, especially back then, it was like once you get to America, it's like the the streets are paved with gold, like and it's the land of opportunity, you know. Um, and for, to get here, and then to have something like that happen, where now the population is looking at Muslims a certain way, what the hell does that do to you? You know, like you fi you finally feel like we made it, we're here, we're safe, it's over, and then this shit happens. And it's like, now I'm right back into getting, you know, weird looks or having to hide who I am or, you know, that feeling of having to do that. And then like... And, and it just shows like you don't know, like this person that, that you're judging, this whether it's like 9-11 and it's a, a random Muslim, maybe it's her family walking down the street and you're judging them and you're saying they're evil, they're the cause of this. And you 
it, it just goes to show you literally just don't know what anyone has been through in life because now this peop these people that you're judging just escaped being murdered in their home country you know for being muslim and and had to escape here and saw terrible things and she essentially lost a childhood and it's like you know before you judge anyone like you you just never know what someone's struggling with and and what they've been through and and that's a perfect example yeah and i'm just so glad that now it's come to the point where after everything there's a full acceptance of this is who i am as a person and everything that comes along with that i'm taking it and the world's just gonna have to fucking deal with that and i think that's really fucking powerful and cool um because a lot of people go through a lot less and lose their identity and and forget about who they are and where they came from and she's been through a ton and had every excuse to have that happen and she still didn't and i think that's very admirable and a really fucking cool uh you know speech she had at the end there uh i think she tied together tied the whole thing together perfectly so yeah man fuck man like that was just a really good uh story and episode there yeah no i'm just like i feel like honored to to just get this out to for people to hear yeah so. um yeah just it was great um but you know for anyone out there um like i said at the beginning of, this, uh, of the show if you feel like you have a story or something that would make for a good episode uh don't hesitate to reach out to us go to oplshow.com uh, or e send us an email directly at oplpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, follow us on Instagram at oplpodcast. If you want to become a patron, go over to patreon.com slash oplshow for all those bonus episodes behind the scenes and leave a rating and review on iTunes. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, comment, talk to us, tell us what you think. Uh, we're nothing without you guys, so thank you. Yep, and that is all. We'll see you guys next time.